Hey everybody, I'm Alicia and welcome to the Medicine in Color podcast, a platform where I highlight the voices of men and women of color in all aspects of medicine and elevate their stories for the world to hear. Let's get to it. Hey, hey, y'all, and welcome to episode five of the Medicine in Color podcast. How's everybody doing? Uh, I can say on my end, we have ramped up for the final term of my first year of medical school, and we are jumping right in the system, starting with cardio. This is week two, and it is already a lot to process. Uh, but on the bright side, I enjoy cardio as difficult as it can be. I still enjoy it, and so I'm excited for the challenge and to learn the intricacies of the system. I also greatly appreciate the organization of the class. It's been well put together the entire um, this entire block for us as we finish out the term. So I appreciate that. Uh, but y'all make sure y'all check back with me in a couple of weeks. Uh, once the schedule picks up even more, um, slide in my DM, send me an email, check on your girl, make sure I'm still kicking. <laughs> um, so last week, I, along with a group of my classmates, we went down to DC for Advocacy Day on the Hill. And that experience was a great opportunity to learn and gain more exposure to the behind the scenes of policy influence uh, so I really enjoyed that. Uh, it just really felt good to be back in D.C. and to walk around a bit. Uh, in the trailer episode, I mentioned that I lived in the DMV area for um, a bit back in 2012, um, going into 2013. And so it was just great to be there and walk around the city. And I still think D.C. might be one of my favorite cities that I've lived in or been to. Uh, outside of school, I mentioned in the last episode that I am uh, training for the Philadelphia Broad Street Run, which is the largest 10 mile in the country. Uh, it is my first time running a long distance. Uh, I got out on Monday morning, this past Monday, and uh, I was pretty proud about my starting point for my first outdoor run. So seeing uh, my mile time made me want to run more, made me want to run further. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing my progress as the weeks go by. Uh, I will definitely keep you all up to date on that on the podcast. And if you send me a message, I'll let you know what's going on too. Uh, as for the book I said I was going to read, I chose to read The Power of Habit and started listening to it on my morning run. Yeah, I know I'm two weeks late, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I started listening to it Monday morning on my uh, morning run on Audible. Uh, so I will let y'all know how I feel about that. But so far, so good. Um, so each week, uh, at each episode, I've been trying to now include uh, something that's inspiring me. So one of the things that is inspiring me this week is something that my guest said um, in our conversations that she simply follows her heart and allows herself to uh, change paths. And personally, as someone who is a planner, you know, I like to plan everything out. <laughs> um, this week, I am inspired by the reality that we may start out with a goal in mind or a going in direction that we think we should be going in, but we may decide to change lanes at some point, and that is a-okay. So I want to encourage you all uh, to follow your heart and to allow yourself to change paths. It sounds easy to say, but I know if you're somebody like me, it's a little tough. So and it takes some effort and intentionality. So that's my that's what's inspired me this week and my little piece of advice for y'all. So about today's episode, this is the final episode in the Ode to Black Women in Medicine uh, series, and I'm looking forward to sharing my conversation with Dr. Shermaine Wilson Cox. Uh, so now that the inaugural episodes are done, I want to hear from you about who you want to hear from. 
um, send me an email or a DM with recommendations about guests you want to hear from, or even if it's questions you want to ask of my of guests. I'm going to start posting guests in advance of our conversations. And so um, shoot me an email or send me messages on, on Instagram about who you want to hear from. One last thing before telling you about my guests for today, I want to just say thank you. Uh, since launching, the podcast has gotten almost 800 listens, and they're not all from me. <laughs> uh, and I am just over the moon, elated, and immensely filled with gratitude about the reception. So thank you so very much for tuning in and listening to the podcast. Your support is more than appreciated. Uh, if you haven't already, go back and check out the other available episodes on whatever platform you get your podcast. And also be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Medicine and Color. And even more important, comment, subscribe, and like on Apple Podcasts and all podcast platforms. Do that for me so that the podcast can get more traction, more people can listen, who can get the message out there. And lastly, I want to, I'm always looking for ways to improve um, the content I share with you all. So your feedback is greatly appreciated. Shoot me an email, send me a message. Uh, let me know what you're thinking. Guests, let me know questions, those kind of things. Just let me know what you're thinking. Uh, all responses come directly from me. So it's me there sending, responding to your DMs when you send me something or emails or whatever it is. Um, so it's these the uh, messages are coming straight from me. Some new changes are coming soon. So be on the lookout for that. And last but not least, something that's on my mind, just take care of yourselves, love on yourself, love on your people, and be sure to include some joy in your everyday life. So on to my guest for today, Dr. Shemaine Wilson-Cox, is a native of Bristol, Pennsylvania. She attended Temple University for two years of her undergraduate studies before moving to Virginia. While in Virginia, Dr. Wilson-Cox worked um, as a flight attendant for four years before continuing her undergraduate studies at VCU or Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond. And she graduated from VCU in 2010 with her bachelor's degree in biology and a minor in chemistry. Come on now. Uh, she went on to attend Tuskegee University. Shout out to Tuskegee. Um, College of Veterinary Medicine in Tuskegee, Alabama, and graduated with her Doctor of Veterinary Medicine in 2014. After vet school, she completed a two-year laboratory animal medicine residency at Emory University in Atlanta, and followed that with a one-year fellowship at Emory, which she completed in 2017. After her fellowship, she wanted a change, so she decided to practice small animal medicine, and she has been practicing small animal medicine at a small corporate hospital uh, since then. In 2018, she founded Sankofa Medical Scrubs. After getting bored with the current medical scrub selection, and even in her own working world, she wore um, head wraps to match her own scrubs in order to jazz them up. Dr. Wilson-Cox decided to start her own line of Afrocentric medical scrubs in order to fill a gap in the marketplace. The mission of her company, Sankofa Medical Scrubs, is to provide African-American healthcare professionals with a line of scrubs that will empower them and allow them to express their culture while practicing medicine. While doing some research before our conversation, I came across a 2015 article in the Journal of the American Veterinary Medical Association that said vet med is one of the most, if not the most, homogeneous professions in the workforce. With that in mind, I really wanted to know why she chose this career, what her experiences have been like, and what she sees for herself in the future, both in her work as a veterinarian and as an entrepreneur. So without further ado... Here's my conversation with Dr. Shermaine Wilson-Cox. Enjoy, y'all.
Wilson Cox, first and foremost, thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast. I appreciate you for saying yes. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited I really to talk to you. You know the offer and being asked. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to talk to you. Um, so let's jump right in. Um, my first question, as always, is uh, what do you do and why? So what do I do? So I am a small animal veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated from Tuskegee University Tuskegee. School of Veterinary Medicine in 2014, mm-hmm. and I originally went into lab animal medicine. I did a two-year residency in lab animal medicine and then a one-year fellowship um, at Emory University in Mm -hmm. Atlanta. And then after that, I just, you know, found out I needed a little bit of a change. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I went into small animal medicine. And I've been doing that for about a year and a half, almost two years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what made you choose a career in veterinary medicine? So growing up, I've always had pets. We've had dogs, cats, guinea pigs, <laughs> uh, turtles, lizards. There was always some type of animal in the household. Mm-hmm. And I didn't always know I wanted to be a vet, but I knew, you know, I liked animals. And yeah. I enjoyed being around them and I enjoyed helping them. Um, it wasn't until I was in my 20s, um, I had a cat, her name was Merlot, <laughs> and he ended up getting sick. Uh-huh. And so I had to keep taking him back and forth to the vet. Uh-huh. And by that experience, by you know going to the vet office a lot, interacting with the veterinarians, that's when I became more interested in becoming a veterinarian. And more curious about, you know, different diseases that animals can get. Yeah. And so I think it was based on my experience plus, you know, my curiosity that wanted me to dive more into it. Mm -hmm. And so after Merlot passed, you know, it was was real heartbreaking when you lose a pet. Yeah. Um, So I just wanted to help every pet that I could Mm -hmm. after losing my cat. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, when I was growing up, we, um, we had turtles, my brother, okay. well, my brother had two turtles, um, uh-huh. and goldfish and we had a lot of goldfish, but the like, like the last goldfish we had, I know this, <laughs> we're talking about animals. I mean, that's the only, those only pets that we, had, <laughs> that we were, um, allowed to have. It sounds real basic, like goldfish, but nonetheless, Fish too. I remember I had goldfish, and I killed it because I fed it too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a lot of that. My first personal pet as a kid. Yeah, yeah. We cycled a whole lot of goldfish in and out, but two of them lasted for a long time. Uh huh. So, what is what is a career in veterinary medicine like? Like, what is is it training similar to medical school? How does it work? Um, so as far as training, so it's somewhat similar. I mean, we do have to take the same courses. You have the anatomy, you have the physiology classes, pharmacology, internal medicine, hmm. um, other classes, internal medicine, um, dermatology. We pretty much learn all the same stuff because, you know, human medicine and animal medicine are pretty much interrelated. Interesting. Um, so we learn the same stuff, but for veterinary medicine, we just have to learn it for more species. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of species differences from, you know, cats and dogs. There's different diseases that, you know, they get that we have to keep that in mind. So mm-hmm. we have to know 
a whole lot of different, you know, changes, not changes. What do I want to say? Um, there's species differences basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, between all of the ones that we have to learn. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So we have to learn cats, dogs, pigs, horses, um, sheep, goat. I think that in itself just makes it a lot more challenging as yeah. a veterinarian. Yeah. Yeah. Than a medical doctor. Interesting. Interesting. So we do like, um, we go on rotations, um, like, uh, so for us, we have four-year training, and then we do rotations on, um, like, third and fourth year. So is it something similar there where you go on rotations, your, <clears throat> a portion of your um, your education? Yes. Yeah, so third year, that's when we start clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still have classwork, too. So part of our day is in the classroom, still learning. And then the other half is in clinics. And then when we're in clinics, we have different rotations. So some of our rotations were large animal medicine, um, radiology, small animal medicine, community practice. um, Let's see, what else? Parasitology, just to name a few. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, pathology also. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So you started um, um, veterinary school later in life. Yes. Um, so talk about how um, being a non-traditional student, so to speak, uh-huh. kind of shaped how you moved through that process and your journey too. So, you know, how was your journey going through um, veterinary medical school? Right. So I think as a non-traditional student, which I didn't even know that was like a thing, <laughs> there's really a name for that yeah. <laughs> until, you know, a little while ago. But um, I feel like because I was, older starting vet school I was more mature mm-hmm. um, I had already made the mistakes like an undergrad of not going to class not studying yeah um, which ended up you know causing me to take a few years off from undergrad mm-hmm. um, I think my experience from that made me realize that I needed to you know focus and I was at the point in my life where I, I knew what I wanted at this point in time. And so I just knew what I had to do. Mm -hmm. So all the, you know, extracurricular stuff, I wasn't that into. Right. Um, So I was, I was just really focused at that point in my life when I started vet school. Yeah. Yeah. And so your journey leading up to that, um, what was that like? So what did you do prior to entering school? Um, Yeah. Okay. So when I graduated from high school, Um, I did go straight to undergrad. I went to Temple University, Mm -hmm. and I went there for two years. Had too much fun. My grades (laughs) weren't that great. Uh, Me too. Me too. I had a good time. Um, And then I had also changed my major like two or three times while I was there Mm -hmm. because I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. So um, my mother was pretty much like, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, so I'm not going to keep paying for you to Mm -hmm. go to school if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're not getting the grades. Um, so I stopped going after my first two years. And then we that's when we moved down from Pennsylvania to Virginia. And then I think my first job I was doing, I was working at a call center. And then I was a flight attendant for about three or four years. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing medical billing. And when I started doing medical billing, getting back into, you know, the medical field, kind of, that's when I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to go back to school. Yeah. 
So then I went to Virginia Commonwealth University and finished up my um, biology degree at VCU. And then after that, I graduated in 2010 and applied to vet school. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. So I um I read an article and essentially the representation of men and women of color in veterinary medicine is significantly low. So mm-hmm. the pro- profession is like some somewhere around nine. This is around 2015. It may have changed since then, but okay. around 93 percent white. Um, mm-hmm. And so talk about representation for you. Like, is has there been a point um, in your career as a student or as a practice practicing doctor? that where you realize that this is bigger than me, this, this moment, this work that I'm doing is much bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so I'm thankful that, so before I started vet school, mm-hmm. I didn't, didn't know many black veterinarians. Mm-hmm. Um, the vets that I took my pets to, they were white. Um, there was one lady, she had a mobile vet. Um, she used to come to my house. Um, I think she was maybe Spanish but I had never met a black veterinarian. When I was in undergrad at VCU, there was another one of my classmates that was interested in being a veterinarian too. And she's the first one that told me that there was an HBCU that had a vet school. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, really? I have to find out, you know, where this school is because I'm definitely going to apply. Yeah. Um, Because I wanted to be, you know, immersed alongside people that, you know, were of the same background and culture mm-hmm. as myself. Um, so I basically, you know, found Tuskegee University and I went and I visited and that was actually the very first time that I had seen black veterinarians. Mm-hmm. And I just felt honored to be there. I was proud. Um, and I knew that was the school that I had to be at. Yeah. Um, so right now, Living in Atlanta, there's actually quite a few African-American veterinarians. Um, And also graduating from Tuskegee, they graduate, like right now it's over 75% of the black veterinarians in the U.S. Um, So being around that environment, I didn't really get a sense of, oh, I feel, you know, real different because I was around people, you know, that look like me. Mm -hmm. I would say sometimes just the response that I get, um, you know, when I have African-American clients and I walk into a room and I introduce myself as doctor and like the sense of pride that I can see, you know, mm-hmm. come across their face, mm-hmm. uh, that it really means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, so who has kind of inspired you on this journey? Um, I know for me, it's been, it's been my parents. It has been, um, some outside sources, people that I look up to, women that are doing great things in medicine, whether they be women of color or not, uh, Mm -hmm. women that are um, sharp in business, those kinds of things, or just people in general. So who, who inspires you to do what you do? Yeah. Um, I think my mom, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, ever since I've been, you know, ever since I was a little girl, she's always worked hard. Originally, she was a stay-at-home mom, mm-hmm. um, but once I got to the age, I think it was about three years old, when I was able to start, you know, doing things on my own, she was like, okay, it's time for me to, you know, go out and finally pursue a career in what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
after that, she went out, um, she became a phlebotomist and then she went to nursing school and now she's an RN. And last year she actually just graduated and got her, she got a double master's degree. So Mm -hmm. I think her, you know, perseverance and her goal setting, every time she sets a goal, she makes sure she finishes it. Um, so I think having that as a role model for me to look up to, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better mother or a role model. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. And she's, I mean, I don't know your mom personally, but just listening to what you're saying that she's accomplished. um, I mean, I'm inspired by that. Like just, there no, there are no limits, right? You, you set a goal and you can, you literally decide I'm going to be limitless and I'm going to do what um, I set my mind to. Yeah. That's dope. That's great. I love that. Um, So, in turn, like the podcast is all about um, uplifting the next generation of leaders and um, or just next generation of men and women of color in medicine, regardless of what direction they choose in the field. Mm-hmm. So what kind of guidance have you received that has moved you along your journey? OK, what kind of guidance? Like, like it could some- be something from a mentor. It could be. Um, some advice that you you you've gotten. Maybe it's um, a book that you read that guides what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I'd say what guides what I do. I just follow my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes my heart changes. Yeah. And I just go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try not to give myself limits on things. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, like the sky's the limit. You can do whatever you put your mind to whatever you set your heart to. Yeah. Um, so that's about it. I don't, I just go with the flow. Yeah. 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 I feel you. I feel you. So what you said, sometimes your heart changes. And so, um, I know, you know, I, when I started this, I I thought I was going to do one thing. I want to be this kind of doctor. Mm -hmm. Oh, but I'm interested in this and now I'm interested in that. And this kind of, you know, there are all these things that I have a desire to do. Uh, most recently, I'm like, I want to work for a large tech company and influence mm-hmm. the way health is integrated into technology. Um, so what kind of, how has your, how, has, what has changed? Like, what is, what has your vision been and what is your vision now for mm-hmm. where you want to go? Uh, how has my vision changed? Um, well, I think initially when I became a veterinarian, I just wanted to do like lab animal medicine. That mm-hmm. was the track I started on. That's what I was going to do. I was like, yes, I'm going to do this residency and I'm going to be a lab animal vet and I'm going to be board certified. Um, and I'm just going to be the best lab animal vet that I can be. Yeah. Um, but since then, I think one thing that changed is having my son, mm-hmm. um, having him, I realized like lab animal medicine is pretty much nine to five Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so that type of schedule and then living in Atlanta and you don't get home till six, seven o'clock because of traffic. <laughs> yes. It just wasn't, it wasn't working for me. Yeah. <laughs> by the time I get home and then, you know, it's time for him to go to bed at, you know, eight o'clock and I wasn't getting that time that I wanted to spend with him. Mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, something had to change. Yeah. And so that was one of the reasons why I was like, okay, well, I need a change from lab animal my family, I need to, you know, focus on my family more and have more time with them. So that was kind of why I switched to small animal medicine. Um, 
So I think just little things as life changes, mm-hmm. that's how my career changes. Yeah, yeah. I try not to stay, you know, stagnant in, you know, one spot mm-hmm. because it, it may not work, you know, two years from now. Yeah, yeah. So I, the two things I want to press. One, let's talk about Atlanta traffic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and let, every time I think that I can move to Atlanta, I'm like, I could do this. My brother loves Atlanta, like loves Atlanta. <laughs> Um, every, every time I think that I can move to Atlanta, I'm like driving, you come up 75, you're like, oh, traffic is good. Traffic is good. And bam. I'm like, no, no, traffic is uh -uh. can't do it. And then you try to get off on the exit. Oh, let me go around this. Nah, the street's packed. Like, like Atlanta traffic is good between the hours of 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. Yeah. But but other than that. Between like eleven, like after rush hour, maybe like ten thirty to noon. Mm-hmm. But after that, it's yeah, lunch. No. Lunch, and then it's it's after lunch hour. It's like the folks that apparently go to work at a different time, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then after that is rush hour again. I'm like, wait a minute, when right. does it end? You got there's a twenty minute window when you don't have traffic, and it's gonna take you that twenty minutes to get where you're going. Right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Learn to, yes, you learn to just accept it. Yeah. And just know you're gonna be late everywhere you go. Exactly. Unless you start out two hours in advance. Um, right. to get thir- get get ten minutes away. Um, right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Atlanta's tr- oh gosh. Um but you mentioned <laughs> uh it is. It is. Um I have just recently put Atlanta back on my list of places where I could live. Um okay. at first I was like, oh, I don't know that I want to live in Atlanta. My sister lives there. Um my brother was living there for a while and my other brother went to Morehouse, so he was there for a okay. while too. Um and so I'm like, I-, I could I could move to Atlanta. I could do it. Mm-hmm. Um so you mentioned you have a son. Let's talk about family and yeah. um how you, you talked about how family your desire to spend time with your family kind of influences mm-hmm. your career path. Um, so how do you, how does that work? Like, how do you manage family life and also have a desire to do these great things in your career? Right. I think really you kind of just have to make time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think us as motivated women, sometimes we focus on career, 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 and work, 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 um, and trying to get to this, you know, next level in your career when, I mean, the things that matter most is your family. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes we just have to make ourselves step away from work sometimes and, you know, just spend time with our families. So sometimes in the evening, like since I'm some, I have an office in my home because I'm kind of working on a business. So in the evening time, if I feel like, OK, I've been working on this quite a bit today, I need to spend some time with my husband or spend some time with my son. Um, I have to make myself take a break from work and, you know, just go in there and play with him in his playroom or read a book or watch TV or a movie or something. I kind of just force myself to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. And so you talk about business. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about entrepreneurship and what that looks like. Like, so what kind of business are you, do you have? So I just recently, um, launched a line of Afrocentric medical scrubs, mm-hmm. um, I think I started it originally because, well, I've been wanting to start a line of scrubs for a while, but I just didn't know what type of scrubs. And so when I started working in small small animal medicine and we we could only wear dark blue scrubs or light blue scrubs every day. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, I really need something that jazzes up my scrubs because, you know, I go forward wearing the same scrubs every day. 
Um, so just to add a little flavor to it and to add, you know, a piece of me to my outfit going to work, I would wear like an Afrocentric headband or head wrap to mm-hmm. match my scrubs. Mm-hmm. So one day I was like, hmm, let me just Google to see if there's, you know, any scrubs out there that, you know, have Afrocentric patterns that match head wraps. Because mm-hmm. um, having natural hair, you know, sometimes it's frizzy, just not doing right. So yep. sometimes just want to cover it up. Yep. Um, so I did a search and there weren't any. Um, so I was like, well, this is, I just, I have to do it. Yeah. Um, because if, if, if it's something that I want, then I think it was something that, you know, other people of color would want also. Yeah. Um, so I just make, started making, you know, small steps and just started the business and got it going. And here we are today, yeah. <laughs> one month in. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So what, what has been, um, the most rewarding part about, uh, Starting on business, being an entrepreneur. I think the most rewarding part is when you see people that you don't even know mm-hmm. wearing your product mm-hmm. and feeling good at wearing your product. Um, my main goal was to, you know, my saying is to empower black healthcare professionals to express their culture while they're practicing medicine. Mm-hmm. So for them to wear my product and actually feel like they're expressing their culture, then I know that I'm doing this, you know, for the right reason. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It, just, yeah, it motivates me to keep going and, you know, come out with more styles and more accessories. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, good, good. And um, what has been, you know, some of what have been some of the challenges, if there are any, what have been some of the challenges of, of deciding to go down this path? Um, I'd say the main challenge is working full time mm-hmm. as well as, starting a business because I pretty much have no days off (laughs) when I'm at work I'm at work and then when I'm off then I'm still working on the business Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it gets it gets very tiring yeah 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 I can imagine um Mm -hmm. so what did you um more about entrepreneurship so what did you do to kind of edge you say you just did a google search you can literally find anything on the google um, right, and right. it is phenomenal. So what, what did you do to kind of prepare yourself? Like, I have this idea. How do I go from an idea to action? Right. So I did some research just on Google yeah. research, how to start a scrub company. Yeah. Um, and you know, things will pop up and I'll just start reading. Um, I also joined some Facebook groups, some business groups, and you know, you're able to ask questions about how to start a business from other entrepreneurs who, you know, have already started companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have a business coach. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Great. So with those three things, I kind of got all the information that I needed. Um, research manufacturers um, and tailors, you know, in the Atlanta area. And met with them, and because I don't have like any design or so experience, mm-hmm. um, so they pretty much got me on the right track. Of, yeah, you know how to get started. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. So, where do you see um, both in your uh, life, working life as a veterinarian, and then in your life as an entrepreneur? Where what is your vision for both of those areas of life? Okay. So I say as a veterinarian, um, I would definitely want to have my own like practice one day, not mm-hmm. a stationary, like standalone, but like a mobile vet clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I've actually been wanting to do for a long time. 
So I would definitely want to do that. Um, and then as far as the scrub business, I want to see that go pretty far. Yeah. I want to see my scrubs like in Scrub City or Uniform Advantage mm-hmm. <laughs> or on allheart.com. So yeah. I want it to be big. I want it to be, you know, a name brand that mm-hmm. African-American healthcare providers talk about and they search for. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Write the vision and make it plain. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, so <clears throat> let's do some fun questions. Actually, I have one other question for you. You okay. talked about, uh, you, you say you're, you're, you, you do small animal veterinary medicine. What, dis- mm-hmm. what's the distinction? And I, I know the word small and large, they make sense like in general. <laughs> so what's the difference in practice of, uh, small animal veterinary medicine and then large animal or lab animal veterinary medicine, those okay. two things. So small animal, you, it's mainly, like cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, large animal would be like cows, horses, sheep, goats. Those yeah. would be more large animals. Um, and then lab animals are pretty much any animal that's used in research. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be mice, rats, guinea pigs, rabbits, pigs, um, monkeys, chimpanzees. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I, I had an idea just by you saying those things, but I wanted to clarify that for, for listeners. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and so now let's do some fun questions. Okay. All right. So the questions will be relatively rapid fire, but your answers don't necessarily have to be fast. Okay. Okay. All right. So first question, red or white wine? Both. <laughs> You're like, absolutely. Give me all of it. Yeah, um, both. I don't discriminate when it comes to wine. Right. There we go. There we go. If you had to, ch- I, li- I like red wine. If you had to choose a favorite red, what would it be? And a favorite white, what would it be? A favorite red. Let's see. So right now I'm getting into like the red blends. Mm-hmm. So I drank, what is it? I think it's the Menage a Trois red blend. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. And as far as white, um, I like white Merlot or white Zinfandel. Mm, okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. I had a, um, the first time, this is when I was living in New York, one of my uh, colleagues introduced me to this Sancerre. It's a really good white wine. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I typically like red wine, but that white, that's Sancerre. So if you, if you have a chance, pick up a bottle of Sancerre. <laughs> Real good. Uh, I'm going to find out for you. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to spell it wrong uh, on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, all right, so a night out or a night in with your family? Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with a night in. Okay. I don't, I don't have to do my hair. I don't have to put no makeup on. <laughs> put no heels on. I can just relax. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a night in. All right. And what <laughs> <laughs> What are y'all doing yeah. on your night in? Is it movie night? Is it game night? What, what are y'all doing? All of that. Uh, most of the time it's Probably movie night, if you ask my husband, because mm-hmm. that's all he wants to do is watch movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but so most of the time it's just, you know, lounging around watching TV. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to ask you a question that I think it might be a little cliche to ask a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite animal? <laughs> <laughs> so oh, first I'll say my favorite animals are my pets. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have two dogs. Mm-hmm. One, his name is Quavo. <laughs> about 11 years old Migos. <laughs> my husband named him <laughs> and my other dog her name is shadow and she's mm-hmm. about eight 
she'll, no, she'll be eight in July. And then I have a rabbit. Mm-hmm. His name is Bama. Okay. And yeah, those are my favorite pets. But outside of mine, I would have to say, let's see, when I was doing lab animal medicine, I really enjoyed working with the chimpanzees. Um, they're just amazing creatures. They're so intelligent. Um, they're strong and I don't know. They have their own personalities, really, because one one minute they might want to, you know, love up on you, then they might be trying to rip your finger off. Oh, okay. <laughs> they definitely keep you on your toes. Oh, yeah. But that's yeah, that's one species that I really love to work with. Yeah, some occupational hazards. Uh, definitely. Since, since yes. you since you mentioned that, what what kind of occupational hazards have you like encountered? Um, well, working in lab animals, so when you work with, um, rhesus macaques are the most common monkeys that are used, um, in research, and they carry herpes B virus. Mm. And so whenever we get, like, scratched by a monkey or if something gets splashed in our eye, if we get a needle stick, then, um, <clears throat> we have to start taking antivirals. Um, there's definitely a protocol for that to make sure that, you know, we don't get herpes B. Um, especially working at Yerkes, the primate center, mm-hmm. they definitely take it very seriously because they did have um, someone die from herpes B virus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. Gotcha. That is definitely a risk. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I, I respect you. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Um, so favorite quote, if you had to choose one, I think my favorite quote right now is the one that says she believed she could. So she did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's my favorite quote. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. And, um, if you had to choose a, um, favorite mm, drink, like, so this is a strange question to ask somebody, um, but I really like apple juice. Like, yeah. so, okay. <laughs> it's such a strange question. The rapid fire questions, you know, they're kind of strange, fun, you know, so why not? Right? Okay. Favorite drink. Okay. So I'm going to have to go with mimosas. Okay. All right. I probably drink like 10 mimosas a week. <laughs> Outside of my wine. Um, Yeah, they're just good and they relax me. Okay. So, like, when I come home from work, I'll pour me a mimosa. Okay. All right. And no brunch needed. No brunch needed. Uh Right. Any time today. And let's see, your favorite book that you read recently, Um, or audio book or something like that. Ooh. Um. Hmm. Well, the last book I read was The Very Hungry Caterpillar. <laughs> um, it's one of my son's favorite books. <laughs> I don't have a lot of time to, you know, do leisurely reading, mm-hmm. but I definitely have two on my list. So I want to read Becoming mm-hmm. by Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to see her on her book tour when she comes oh, to Atlanta. It's going to be great. May. Yeah. So I definitely want to have the book read before I see her. Yeah. Um, so that's on my to-do list and yeah, that's, that's about it. I don't have time to read. I think the only books I read now are my veterinary medical books, mm-hmm. you know, looking up stuff for cases. Mm-hmm. So, and children yeah. and, and brown bear, brown bear. 
Yeah, yes. Oh, he loves that one too. Yes. Brown Bear, Brown Bear was a book I loved when I was a kid. Yes. And Good Night Moon. Oh, yeah. I love that one. Oh, man. Yeah, I love that. Good Night Moon and Brown Bear, Brown Bear. Mm. Favorite children's Okay, books. I have to look up Good Night Moon. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So my final question for you. Okay. Um, I guess you can say it's kind of a deep question, maybe a thoughtful question, um, is when it's all said and done, uh, what do you want your legacy to be? Hmm. Um, I would say I would want my legacy to be um, someone who loved animals, who had a passion for veterinary medicine and helping animals and tried her best to, you know, heal every animal that she could. Um, also want to be known for changing, you know, the way people feel when they go to work. Mm -hmm. um, making them feel empowered and proud to be, you know, a black medical professional. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for spending time with me. Uh, no thank problem. you for joining the podcast. Anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you.